Welcome to Leading Well, a podcast exploring the ideas and practices that can help us all on our path of wellness. We believe that we can lead well when we live well. Hey, we're back. Pipes and all. Mm-hmm. And um, it is the Wednesday after Easter. Mm-hmm. I had, when I say three Easter meals, I mean Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, three ham, potatoes, mm-hmm. dessert, mm-hmm. Oh, three days in a row. It was a lot. That seems like a good celebration of a pagan holiday. That's built around that. Yeah. Eat. <laughs> eat a lot of stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm fully, we, fully out cow. We did two on Sunday. Yeah. And that's, that's just good. the way it goes. Um I'll say this is, you know, for those not in the know with you and I both coming out of church world type stuff, three years now. This will be the this is the third Easter that I didn't have anything to do as far as responsibilities or people to manage and mitigate but commonly in the church world easter sunday is super bowl sunday and everything gets pulled into that um right and so i really noticed this year um i think in years past there was still that anxiety Mm -hmm. like i'd wake up i need to be doing something and this year i was i woke up to all three of my kids dive bombing on the bed and because we don't let them go downstairs to see their easter baskets without us because you got to videotape and do all that. And so I was woke up by that and I didn't have any of those like anxiety feelings or the feelings of not being enough because I'm not doing that. Uh, so this is a really good, good Easter for, for me. So it was interesting. Um, Matt, you messaged me earlier in the week <laughs> doing a check-in with me on that very topic. And I said the same thing. I'm like, no, I, I don't have anything to do you know everything's taken care of by everybody else and i'm i'm just going to go and enjoy and i deliberately didn't message you at seven o'clock in the morning when i had to so i wouldn't say i told you so get up early and come to the building here because there was no heat in the auditorium and it was 51 (laughs) degrees so yeah seven o'clock in the morning for 11 o'clock service here you know trying to figure out a way to get that portion of the building heated where the service actually took place and um but no it's it, it was interesting so I, I came home uh it was around 9 nine thirty, um just to get ready to go back you know at 11 and um you know laura was getting ready and and she just kind of shook her head and she's like this is still triggering for me like this time and it is what was very interesting being in service here in a you know small it's not even an auditorium it's basically a garage you know and seats maybe a hundred if it's packed, you know, with chairs, but probably, I don't know, 40, 50 people here. And, um, and just really enjoying just, you know, the, the people and just the time. And it was very much a non-traditional Easter session. We call them session, not service. It was, it was really just kind of laid back and chill and not a lot of, really no production, you know, no video or, you know, the, the cues and the, the, you know, all the, all the things that usually go into East services. But I, I was thinking back to about three, 
probably the last, the last Easter service, you know, as lead pastor. And that feeling of like only 160 people came. Like we set out chairs for 200, only 160, you know, like, it, and not, you know, not upset, but at the same time, like, uh, you know, like could have been more, but it was, yeah, it, it just took me back to all of the, those feelings. And, but yeah, it was good for me to kind of same thing, be, be in a, in a place of reflection and just kind of thinking back and just how different it is now, which was, you know, for me personally, um, a good sign of health and growth of not being in that, not feeling that way, not, you know, just enjoying the moment and whatever is happening and whoever's here enjoying that. Not what's, what's not happening. Who's not here. What's, you know, what is or isn't successful or good enough, you know? So yes, this is not the, um, you know, pastoral therapy. Oh, it's good to talk about part though, of like, yeah. uh, episode, but, um, yeah. So, so it's, it's very relevant at you right before we started recording uh, a pastor friend of mine sent me an article, 55% of pastors surveyed feel overworked and overcommitted. We both think that's a low number. Very low. It's just 55% that we're honest. 55% that we're honest. <laughs> There's pastors that lie. That's crazy. Um, no, but I mean, it's, it's so, and we, I do know a lot of friends and people in the, in the network um, who listen to the podcasts are still in that space. So we feel for you. And if uh, you need someone to talk to, give us a call, give us a ring. So uh, we decided um, this time we're going to do something different. And I was going to say, we shouldn't say, you know, we wanted to mail one in. You know, didn't want to have to, you know, come up with something. <laughs> Do any significant work. Right, right, right. No, but but um, just thought, hey, we've been doing this for a while. Ten episodes, I think. We this is ten. Ten, yeah. look at that. Yeah. Um, and uh, wanted to hear what other people are thinking, what, what topics or what um, issues that they uh, wanted to hear about and for us to address. Um, we've said this before, say it again, we're by no means experts. We're not therapists or, you know, clinically or even collegially trained in therapy or psychology or, but yeah, just giving our um, experiences and, and our thoughts on topics. So yeah, we thought we'd um, take some AMAs. We could call this Ask Your Dad Anything. Ask, yeah. Go Ask that, Dad. That's where I feel. This is the Go Ask That I'm at in life uh, right now. Yeah, it was funny. Some some um, friends of ours f that attended our church um, came on Sunday, and um, someone said, "Hey, hey, Dad, we need your help." And they turned and looked at me like, "Oh, your dad?" They said, "Think, yeah, but yeah." When when you're about twenty or so years older than the average, the median age of the people at at the um, church, yeah, you become dad. I said, "At least I'm not grandpa." Yeah, I'm, yes. I'm still dad. But um, yeah, so ask us anything. And we've got a couple couple common threads, yeah. um, questions. We talk about boundaries. Yeah. That's one. Um, emotions. Yeah. Um, how to avoid burnout. And uh, if there's time, how to deal with, with um, some mental health issues when you're in a space and environment that um, you feel that there's stigma around um and kind of um balancing that out of of feeling you know how how do i deal with what i'm dealing with when the people and the structures around me yeah that the just some of the stereotypes and stigmas around it in some cases just flat out <laughs> say you know 
nothing wrong with you or you pray more or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, we're going to address that, but take your pills and come to work. Take your pills, come to work. I literally had a boss say that to a coworker. Oh boy. Yeah. That's fun. So let's, let's start on boundaries though. All right. So what do we have? What's, what's the first question? Um, so looking at boundaries, um, you know, a lot of the questions that came in were like, how can I do this? And it was built around more of a, like, what is a step-by-step for setting up boundaries in my life? And for me, like, sure, I can tell you, well, just do it. Just set up your boundaries. (laughs) Just say no. And I realized that that is incredibly difficult for a good portion of people that listen to us. And so I think to back off of just that, uh, you know, I was telling you as we were walking through this, like when it comes to boundaries, I have like two questions that I feel like you should ask yourself and be able to answer that. And when you can, then there's then there's space to move forward in what you need to do. Um, and so the first question is why? Why do you feel that you need a boundary in this relationship? Whatever it is, um, work relationships, family, personal, whatever whatever that relationship is, why do you feel you need a boundary? And walk through that, sit in it for a while. Is it because you are uncomfortable with the relationship? Um, Maybe you don't like what the other person does or says and how that uh, impacts you. And maybe just being with that person um, too much is, is triggering something in you. And, and so like the work begins at that point, because then instead of, okay, I'm just pushing this person away because I'm uncomfortable. It's, why am I uncomfortable and what do I need to do to work through this? And when we, so first off, in terms of definition and, and, you know, when we say boundaries, every relationship, um, there's, there are boundaries in every relationship. I think for the most part, especially in relationships, let's say friends, siblings, things like that, um, coworkers, the boundaries aren't necessarily clearly verbalized and communicated, there's some understood boundaries. I mean, there's just cultural norm boundaries. There's sort of work etiquette boundaries. So I think it typically when people talk about the need to set up boundaries, what they're really talking about is there's a relationship where there is, there's, they're facing some tension and the person sees that the relationship is becoming strained or so when we talk about boundaries almost all the time what we're talking about is somebody is doing something that i don't like or you know doing something in a way that i don't like right so so there's conflict involved usually and i think the question for me is at what point do you go from assumed to communicated this this is this is what i can accept in terms of this relationship or, and I think that might be, you know, what the question is. Cause I, th- I think the two or three people that kind of put the same question, it was care about this person still, you know, want to be in a relationship with them, but we're facing conflict and I feel like they're not respecting my boundaries and have you communicated them and, and, but to your point, right. Why do you need them? What, what is what it? Is it triggering? Yeah, what are they exactly. triggering in you? Because if you don't address that, all you're doing is avoidance. You're not actually putting in work. Now, with that said, there are distinct times where 
you need to create physical space Mm -hmm. with a person if they are damaging you in any way, causing harm in any way. Right. You need to create space there, sometimes temporarily, sometimes permanently. Right. Where, wherein that space that is created physically, then you can find emotional space to be able to walk through. Okay, when they do this, mm-hmm. it makes me feel like this. Why am I feeling like this? What is causing that? Uh, and bringing that all back around, because if not, it's the the direction is always outward instead of paying attention to what's going on with us. Um, so I think it's a both and, um, and then like the second question that I had is just to, just to visualize, okay, if I'm saying, you know, they're not respecting my boundaries and what you just said, you know, have you communicated it most of the time? No. Right. Because you don't even know what that is. Right. And so being able to say, okay, this is what a boundary would look like to me. This is what would feel safe for me. And it's, it is. I would say this is one of the more difficult things that we can do when it comes to interacting with other people uh, is to lay something out there like that. Most of the time, because I try to think the best about people, most of the time that other person is completely unaware that when they do this thing, it does this to you. Uh, So sometimes it's just a conversation that needs to happen. And if you're being hurt, you know, you need to initiate that the best that you can. But that's tough. It is, especially something I've had to work through therapy and just personally being non-confrontational. A number of years ago, before therapy, you helped me out when you said, you know, there's a difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. <laughs> and yeah, right. Avoidance, um, not dealing with things, um, thinking I'm, you know, being a peacemaker, being a peacekeeper, which basically was, ah, I'll just, I'll just take the blame. I'll take the, uh, you know, instead of healthy, healthy assertiveness, you know, just without emotion, without right, clearly communicating, hey, here's how I feel about this. And personally, this is something that um, I think we should address. But you're right. For me, and this goes back to your original point, the question of taking a look at yourself first. <laughs> what, what is it inside of you? So I'll, I'll give a good example. Let's, let's be specific in like an example. So a lot of times people feel like they're being taken advantage of their time. Mm-hmm. I'm asked to do everything. My, you know, none of my siblings will help out with mom, you know, and so they just expect me to do it. And they just call me and they say, you know, you need to go do this. You need to do that. Or just, it just expect that I will do everything. So they'll say, I just feel like, you know, I need to establish boundaries. Underlying in that is the fact that if you say yes to that, <laughs> that the boundary really is, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And then being okay with saying, I'm not going to do that. Because I think this is kind of where you're getting at with this. I can say no, but the problem is, is how I'm going to feel about how they feel about me saying no. Yep. I'm actually not comfortable with the fact that they're going to be upset and that they're going to say things about me or they're going to you know, be mad at me. So the boundary in that example this is one of many, but it's a very common example, right? I hear this a lot. The boundary actually isn't your time. The boundary is how you feel about how other feel, people feel about you. Yeah, it's the energy that you expend after exactly. saying no. Right. That's where the boundary gets involved. And so, you know, like when we talk about setting healthy boundaries, I think that's, that's really where it's at is 
setting a healthy boundary needs to come with the idea that you're setting this boundary so that you can do some work. Yeah. And it, without that understanding, it's, it's just a, uh, you're just putting up fences. You're not actually doing anything. You're, it's not even a fence because it's not keeping people out. You're putting up a sign that says, keep out. That's written in a language nobody else understands. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's the best way that, that I can put it. And so I, you know, those two questions, you know, why do you need this boundary and what would it look like for you? Uh, that's, that's how I approach every, every bit of that. And, and again, there, there are those times where you need to create some actual space because someone is doing harm in whatever way that you define harm, it's causing you to experience that you need to create that space. And that can involve, um, shutting down social media that can involve blocking phone numbers, um, that can involve, um, going to HR where you work, you know, these are these are all avenues that are difficult, but necessary. Right. If you feel that you are, you're not safe in any, any way, shape or form. And we can't. So certainly being human beings, you know, living in society and culture and civilization where we have to interact with other people. Uh, I think it's, it's generally a good rule of thumb that we don't certainly don't want to cause harm to people emotionally, physically, otherwise. Right. And in general, you know, we want to be kind, but here's a hard truth. We cannot, we are not responsible for other people's emotions and their reaction to what we do. We can't be. And that's a hard lesson, especially for people who, you know, if you came out of, for instance, abusive childhood or, you know, a lot of conflict in the home and you have that pain avoidance that, you know, just going to go in a bubble, that feeling of, I have to make I have to make them happy. I can't. Mm-hmm. And so our, our boundaries and, or, or the difficulty in establishing them very often comes from a feeling or sense that I want this other person to not be mad. I want mm-hmm. them. And we cannot make our decisions, what, what's best, healthiest for us, for our families, based on how it's going to make other people feel. We just can't. And if, and if you have someone who will be upset by the fact that you have established healthy boundaries that tells you all that you need to know about that person that, and I don't care who it is, it could be a, a, a parent, it could be, you know, loved one, it could be even spouse or partner. If they can't accept that you are making decisions that's healthiest for you, and then they make you feel bad about that, that's their problem. And there's nothing you can do to fix that. Mm-hmm. It's just not your responsibility. And again, I'm not, that's why I prefaced it with, you know, we don't have to be jerks about it. Don't have to, you know, and, and also don't have to turn it back around and, and do the same thing to them, you know, tell them how horrible they are, what a terrible person they are. You know, it's amazing. You know, we'll have to do an episode on narcissism and how to avoid it. But the gray stoning, right, of just when people say things and they want to, get a response or reaction out of you, you don't have to respond. You don't have to react. I would say there's responsibility. Like whenever we choose to engage in a new behavior, a new way of living that is built around protection, we are not responsible for other people's response to that. We are responsible 
for chasing whatever that thing is right. and finding our way to health. Because if not, all you have done is what you just said. You've just spun around and become that person to them. Exactly. Because you're not actually doing anything. You're not doing the work. You're just saying, I don't want you. Not why. Yeah. Just flat out, I don't want you. Yeah. And that may be necessary in some cases, uh, uh, but the responsibility is always with you. What are you doing for you? What are you doing to discover who you are? What are you doing to uh, reach and figure out why do you respond in this way? Mm-hmm. When you can come armed with that knowledge, not only can those boundaries begin to come down, what I have found in my life is that as I have grown and learned more about myself, it's so much easier to look at that other person that I may have placed a boundary with previously and say, and have grace for them and say, of course, this is how they act because this is exactly where they are. And there's no surprises anymore. Like you just are able to see exactly where they're at and you know how they're going to respond. And then you in turn don't have to. And exactly like physically, virtually, whatever you want to say, you can just walk away from it. But that's my take on boundaries. I like it. So, so along those lines, another question, uh, and, and you talked about this, about sometimes boundaries have to be like actual physical like distance. The question of when to or how do you or when to end a relationship that has proven time and time again to be toxic. I'm going to let you start on that one. I'm going to let you start on that one. So wh- when do you, so again, a boundary that literally is, I am putting up a ocean of distance. Like we, we can no longer actually be in relationship. Why? When? Like what? Yeah. So let's, let's start with, let's start with how do you, how do you know? You know, this is one of those things where it's like, you know, it when you know it, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of times you don't know what you don't know. And, and so a hundred percent of the time you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of times when, um, I've identified in my own life where there's situations like this, it comes as a result of, um, codependency. Yeah. And so when codependency flares up, we ignore a lot of things for the sake of that person and what they mean to us. And, and so learning that about myself so this, again, this is also it, always spinning it back to myself. Absolutely. Learning that about myself has allowed me to kind of pull that veil away from a lot of relationships. And there are distinct people in my life where I've had to just say, okay, I'm, I'm cool with distance. Yeah. And, and that's a big deal for me because like, I, I, I don't know strangers. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. Like yeah. I, I want to hear everyone's story. Yeah. I want to invite everyone in because that's how I'm wired. Uh, And I think, you know, we each have that choice to make about how we, how we interact with that. I heard somebody say, well, I couldn't even tell you who it is, but um, we have a choice to make when it comes to letting people into our life. We can open our hearts wide and full to be a part of uh, this life experience of love and shared life, knowing that when we let those walls down, there is a potential for pain to come. Absolutely. But without that potential pain, we don't experience the fullness of relationship. Conversely, you can protect yourself. Yeah. And, and be that. And, and, you know, it's a like physical representation is a medieval castle with a drawbridge. 
Right. Got the moat. Yeah. You've got your defenses set and you only let the people in past your defenses that have made it that far. And it takes time. And by, by the way, there's no right or wrong. Absolutely. There, there's no, yeah. this is better. It's, it's who you are. It's what you're comfortable with. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like an investment portfolio. What is your risk tolerance? <laughs> yeah. R- threat risk analysis. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, absolutely. And so like, that's just me and that's, that's where I've been. And yeah. there have been situations in life where I have had to create physical distance for long periods of time. I can say in particular, there's one relationship in my life where that's happened twice. And the first time I definitely wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The second time I was just beginning this adventure, but even looking at it then, you know, roughly three months after that, uh, I had my heart attack. Yeah. So like I look at that, I'm like, well, my body was trying to tell me something right. about how I was handling this. And I chose not to listen. I chose not to pay attention to me. And I chose to dwell on, well, they did this. Right. They did that. Yeah. And they did. They did all those things. That wasn't me just making it up. But I didn't take the opportunity with that space that was created to reflect on me and say, okay, why am I so triggered when they do this? <laughs> right. Exactly. What can I right. do? Right. Where can I be? What can I think about? How can I meditate to understand where that trigger comes from? Yeah. And, you know, the closer the relationship is, the, the more difficult this, this is going to be. But like point blank, if you are in physical harm, you know, in any way, you got to create that boundary. Yeah. You got to cut the tie, period. Um, If there is emotional or mental distress that is being caused by this, this person in this relationship, you got to get out. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you don't reconnect in some way down the road, but you got to get out. Uh, That's, those are like my, my deal breakers. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's okay to admit to yourself that you are not in a mental, emotional place right now to handle this person's behaviors and actions. Well, it's, um, you know, who yeah. never knows when they're codependent, the people that are codependent. Right. <laughs> and so like, that's, that's a really difficult thing to look in the mirror and understand about yourself. Right. Because so when we talk about toxic relationships, it's the same thing, you know, we talk about boundaries. The, the, the thing we didn't touch on is if you're, if there's, for instance, there's people I just don't like, we just don't mesh. Their personality is great. It's easy to not be in a relationship with that person. Like, I just don't like them. You, know, you don't have to. I don't. Yeah. There are personalities don't mesh. I just, so I don't, if I don't have to be around them, I won't. Yeah. Right. So when we talk about like a relationship that's become toxic, the reason why you can't get out of it is because somewhere along the line or, or relationally, this is either someone that you deeply cared about or it's a family member, you know, you, you have a long history. And so assuming here, and I don't think it's, it's a, a huge leap, there, there has been and probably still is some sense of affection for this person. You cared about them. You, you're probably in a relationship, you know, intimate relationship, right? And what was maybe tolerable, you know, at the beginning is no longer tolerable. But when, when you realize, like you said, the issue that you're really having isn't necessarily separating or just doing it. Yeah. The issue is that emotional attachment that you still have. And, and I think 
far often, far more often than not, the reason why people don't leave those is because they they always hold out hope that tomorrow they'll be better. Yeah. If I just love them, so Johnny Swim, <laughs> Lord, I have a favorite group. Went and saw them in concert in Chicago. Great concert. Uh, but they have a song that says, um, my love can't rescue you the way you want it to. Mm-hmm. My love can't heal the scars that were formed on your own heart. And it's it's not only true, but like hearing that song in that moment and kind of in that time, realizing that not only for myself with Laura, for instance, loving me, but also conversely me loving her, any issues that I struggled with or dealt with was not a lack of Laura's loving me, <laughs> that she just needed to love me more and I could have been better. No, at no point was that the case. And there was no amount of love that she could have poured on me that would have healed me from what I was dealing, you know, what I was going through and hadn't, hadn't addressed. So that hard truth also has to be, I can't love someone enough that it's going to heal them because if my love could heal or if Laura's love could have healed me and that's all I needed was just her love me. It would have been, you know, 25 years ago, but, but no single person carries the capacity to do that for another person. And so it just to, just to be obstinate, uh, there is a challenge point, I think, as sure. we talk about relationships. Relationship, regardless of if it's friendship, if it's romantic, if it's professional, is based around an understanding that there are two people involved in it yeah. that each bring something to the relationship. What if, if we're thinking through relationships and we identify a relationship as toxic, whatever, whatever sure. word yeah. you want to put in there, what if we're the toxic one? Right. Yeah. And we just don't realize it. There's a there's a very popular Reddit called AITA, and it's Am I the a hole? Uh, <laughs> right, and, and right. it's and it's yeah. full of people posting stories, you know, not understanding like, am I the a hole in this? Yeah. And I think, you know, that's that's for me. That's that's where I've begun to swing because if we're, I think, oh man, I don't want to soapbox this, but no, it's okay because I I have a similar thought that I'll bring up as soon as you're done. I think we've entered into this interesting place culturally where we are very comfortable labeling anyone that provides resistance to us as toxic. And it's become very, very easy to just push those people out of our life. And I think if I really look at it, those folks that are doing that are actually the toxic ones. And so I apologize. Like if you're listening to this and I just described you, mm-hmm. then you, you probably are the a-hole. But if you're not, like, it's become such an easy thing where people in relationships become disposable. Mm-hmm. And instead of trying to protect your, your heart to create a space where you can do the work, where you can reflect on who you are and why you're being triggered with this, we just push those away. We push those people away. Because at its, at its heart, when we engage in action like that, it's out of a sense of, like, need to control it all and you know the forget the haters kind of thing boy i sounded really old yeah um like that well haters gonna hate yeah hate 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 players gonna play 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 so there's that that idea and it's i i just see it and i think like that has become a mesh with this idea of creating boundaries and and there is a point where it's like what you just said there are people that you do not have to be friends with yeah you there's no need and that's fine, but that's up to you to identify and then not string somebody along. 
So, just because you feel bad. So what my thoughts along that same kind of train of thought. So I used to tell people, still do, when when couple will reach out or husband will reach out, you know, and talking about my wife this, my wife that. We, Laura and I, we tell couples, like we don't do couples counseling or, or couples therapy, if you will, because there's no such thing as a couples problem. Yeah. And what we mean by that is the two individuals have their own issues mm-hmm. that either haven't been addressed or dealt with, or maybe, maybe don't even realize they're there. Right. Mm-hmm. So the finger pointing of he doesn't do this, she doesn't do that. I wish what, and it goes back to your very first point about boundaries. Like first question, ask yourself, what is it, what is it about you that you need to address? And it's the same thing. And, and I think to your point, when you're talking about like, all right, there's a toxic relationship and it, and one, n- not necessarily assuming that the other person is the toxic one, but cause that's usually not the case. You're right. Like usually almost always both people involved, you know, that their individual issues are colliding and they are not meshing. And, and if anything, a toxic relationship is recognizing and realizing that this ain't working, but for whatever, you know, because of religion or because of, you know, belief, or we're just going to butt heads and we're going to make it work because we're just determined or whatever. But in, in the case you're talking about, and we alluded to this about boundaries, sometimes you just need to be able to step back from the situation, either physically or, you know, space-wise or just time-wise, kind of step back. And, and not even on that macro level, like when Laura and I get in arguments, right? And, it, and fortunately for us, it's, it's very seldom, but when we do, because we do, I've had to learn, okay, as soon as the emotions are, are <laughs> as soon as, as I'm calming down, and my initial reaction of whatever, you know, frustration, doing that self-reflection, not thinking a single thing about Laura, mm-hmm. just focusing on me. Why was I triggered? What, what am I dealing with? What, what in that situation do I need to take responsibility for? Because you're absolutely right. It's very rare that when we say there's relationship issues or toxic relationship, that it is all one-sided. Yeah. It does happen. It does. Oh, absolutely. Because there's just, there's just, well, there's some again, that's why I want to get into like, you know, <laughs> narcissists and narcissist supply and right. like people that seek out people that they can take advantage of and abuse. But right. I think, and that's, again, the whole point of all this, if kind of sum this up is you can't change that person. Right. That we know. And there's, there's nothing you can do about yourself or anything you say to them that's going to make them change. If you do want a relationship to be healthy and, and survive or last, the best you can do is focus on yourself, what you can do. And I'll say this, I've seen it very often. It's, it's been the case, even in my marriage, either, you know, Laura kind of taking the lead or, or myself, where when someone starts to make changes in their own life and they start to exhibit, you know, healthier behaviors, initially there might be pushback, but sometimes you can just lead by example and just you do it and if someone else says hey you know what i'm i'm seeing the benefits and you you know i want to do i want to work on myself that's the best you can hope for but you can't make that person change no and one of the things so you see this all the time now like 
those, you know, the red flag memes, you know, like red flags. And it's funny you said that because a lot of times I, I think about that immediately. It's like, yeah, you're looking for everyone else's red flags, but are you, are you cognizant of your own red flags? Yeah. But yeah, the, here's, here's my advice, especially younger people, you know, coming into relationships. Here's my advice. Um, you have red flags. Everyone else does too. Yep. And if I had a rule of thumb of should I or shouldn't I be in this relationship? Here's, here's for me, here's the one thing I would say. Is that person aware of their red flags? And are they committed to working on them? Yeah. Because that's the best we can hope for. Mm-hmm. Because we all have them. We all have issues. We all have traumas and hurts. Are you aware of them? And are you willing to work on them? Yeah. And if you find someone that that's the case, then you know what? That's, that's probably a good indicator. And then on the other side of the relationship spectrum, if you're in a relationship and that person does not recognize and they will not or do not have any interest in changing or want to work on it, to me, it's probably a good indication. Yeah, that, that is probably the time that you need to say, I can't be in this. Yeah. Especially if you are really making that effort and that attempt of, you know, self healing and dealing with issues and, and, you know, dealing with past traumas. And if you're on that journey and the person in your relationship not only isn't, but they're trying to keep you from that detrimental, then that here's your sign. That might be a good indication. So. heard it said that love's greatest joke is that we tend to fall deepest for those that trigger us the most yeah i mean there's a whole and it's not even the opposites attract but like no right like we we actually we it's sad it's true we tend to return to the abuse that we lived under because it becomes well, we don't recognize it as abuse well no right it's it's this it's actually the safe space yeah it's what we know. And I often tell this to so many people, you yourself have, you have taken on the role of the abuser in your own life. So yeah. So I think it's good on boundaries, relationships. The best advice we can give is you have to focus on you. You got to, you got to look at what is it about yourself and it's okay to say, you know what? Yeah, I am still triggered by this. I, sh- maybe I shouldn't be, and I can work on that, but I am. And, and as long as I am, I'm going to have to, I need the space to be able to deal with that because you're right. It's, it's, it's really difficult to heal if you're still in the middle of the firing squad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So that's good. Create, right. create healthy boundaries. Just, just do it. Yes. Just do it. We had tacked onto here to talk about boundaries as leaders because this is leading well. I think like the principles that we just covered in, in there really just apply kind of unilaterally. Yeah. With, with the additional sort of element of, so if you're a leader and let's just talk about like a work environment, right? When we talk about healthy boundaries, it's not just about like communication or, you know, dealing with other people. We have to understand that the, the time and the place and context of relationship, people are at a job to work. (laughs) <laughs> and 
work and personal life, there needs to be boundaries. And if someone wants to invite someone from work into their personal life, um, it's an option. The the point was, and in, in, um, talked about this before the episode, so I'll say it. I'm just, I want to be everybody's friend, right? And coworkers or, you know, people work for me, let's just, we're just, well, I'll be friends. We'll hang out, you know, let's, let's, and, or, or send a, a Facebook friend request to someone who works for me or Instagram. Or, and then um, just, you know, older I got and more, I just thought about the dynamics, sort of the, I want to say power dynamics, but certainly the, the relationship dynamic of, of a boss and employee that it, that it certainly is weighed heavier on the, the boss in terms of if I send a friend request to someone, there's almost like a, I have to accept it. It's my boss, you know, yeah. and without recognizing, realizing it, I may have crossed a personal boundary because that person did not sign up to be my friend. Right. They signed up to be an employee and work. Um, so I think that was the, the only additional point I wanted to make was being able to recognize and understand our spheres and what sphere am I in? And as a leader, just being very aware and cognizant of the fact that things we do, even, even, you know, sort of unassuming things, inviting, you know, coworkers for drink or, or even a friend request or whatever. If someone is not established, you know, this, they've opened the door for, and again, I'm not talking inner office sexual relationships. I mean, that, that's obvious. I'm talking about even something as simple as engaging, commenting on, you know, being involved in their personal life. Yeah. Um, just being cognizant and aware of there's a boundary there. I think it really depends on yeah. the corporate culture that you're a part of. Yeah. Because like for me, whenever it came to leadership, whatever role that that looked like, I always viewed my part in things, sure, yes, as a manager, whatever, but also to be invested in these people. So like I didn't just take off the pastor hat when I went to my job. Right. Um, and it's it, for me, it's very intentional about creating relationship because then I understand that person. Right. When I understand that person, then I'm able to lead better. Yes. You know, to, to your point, I think there's, there's definitely, it can create immense pressure yeah. um, on that person. If you as a higher up somewhere is like, let's be Facebook friends. Yeah. That could be, that could create a moment of panic for some. Um, yeah. And for some people like you and I, Grew up in a time in the church world where I can guarantee that you had an older pastor talk to you about having friends in the congregation and that that was frowned upon. Like there's, there's a whole older generation that was like, you can't have friends and be the pastor and be their pastor, yeah, yeah. which is exactly the opposite of how I did things because I found yeah. I was a much better pastor when I was their friend. And and, you know, the same kind of stuff pulls into corporate culture. Like when we have an understanding of each other, it, again, it doesn't mean that you have to be best friends with, you right. know, that person. Yeah. It, but when we can allow some openness to relationship and you're creating that boundary of a professional relationship. Exactly. Right. It still is built around an understanding of who you are as a person. That's right. You know, with, with my team right now that, that I work with, I, I know what's going on with them. Like, you know, and they know what's going on with us. You know, last week we, uh, the stomach bug 
ripped through our household right for a yeah. whole week yeah. and it was awful and i let my team know i'm like hey i've been taking care of yeah pukey kid all night can you take this for me today and yeah. they're and because they know me and there's that understanding like absolutely no problem yeah you know handle it and so there's there's a lot of nuance there where it's not just cut and dry like i don't share anything personal right i'm just i put my hair in a ponytail and I show up to do my job and I go home and that's all they need to worry about. If you run that line, it's going to be very difficult for you to be anything more than what you're already doing because you aren't creating any space for anyone else to be a part of that. Yeah. Those are also usually the folks that are most upset about their reviews. Well, you haven't let anybody know what, yeah. you, can, what you can do, what you like to do, where you thrive. You're just clocking in and clocking out. Yeah. So, so there's that. And there's also boundaries in terms of respecting people's time. And for instance, you know, we've all had bosses and there's been times I've been this person. You're so focused on what needs to be done and wanting it to be done when you want it to be done that 10 PM text message or even yeah. 4 AM. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I had to tell our staff at the church, if I send a text at 4 a.m., I want you to know it is not because I want you to read that and do something about it at 4 a.m. It's just because I happen to be up at that moment and something hit me and I sent that and I have to just let you know that. But even that, probably not the healthiest boundary, even do that for you. <laughs> right? <laughs> if I get a text at 4 a.m., even from you, like just as a friend, not only am I not going to see it because my phone's on silent, the next day I'm going to look at it and be like, what? I don't even have to read this. What exactly. is going on? Why are you <laughs> sending something? For so, um, but yeah, just again, the professional relationship, respecting people's time, uh, respecting people have a life outside of work. Yep. And I like what you said. Absolutely. And same thing, you know, coworkers on on the you know, team company yeah. I'm working in. I mean, yeah, we, we know when each other, you know, dealing with stuff for one of our coworkers just had COVID and Hey, how you doing? Just had a baby. How's the baby? You know, and that's great. It's, it's, it's good just because we're all friendly and, you know, relationship, but also recognizing the relationship is based around work. If you're a leader and you want to develop a relationship with someone who's on your team to get to know them better and to help be a better leader, that's awesome because it's in the context of work and it's in the context of the relationship, which is a work relationship. Anything beyond that personal, definitely with a lot of thought and consideration. And, I, and my recommendation is not to try and pursue that. That if someone else wants to invite you over, you know, for dinner with the family, they're opening that up. But yeah. There's a lot of nuance there. There's a lot of nuance in that. And there's so much more on that, but we're not, not going to go on that route. Um, so we talked about boundaries. Another question that came up around emotions and specifically anger. And this is, it's something I'm seeing more frequently from, for instance, from one Sarah Laginus. Mm -hmm. I think you're familiar with her work. She's hot. I'll let you comment on that. Um, um, <laughs> and I mean, what she writes is fire by saying that. There you go. Yeah. Uh, she's on fire. Fuego. That's my wife, in case you didn't know. Yeah, there you go. Anger. Anger. Right, because growing up, being angry is bad. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he was angry. And you know, got in trouble because he was angry. It's an emotion to avoid 
Christian circles, religious circles, it's it's sin. Um, it's a bad thing, you know, in some interpretations. I mean, we could talk about a lot of emotions and just emotions in general, but um, specifically anger. And the the specific question is: Is anger tied to mental illness or mental health? And what's our view on anger? Um, I'm going to start with this one. And I'll let you talk on this. So, because this has been very <clears throat> real and, and relevant in the last couple of years for me, I've mentioned it before. I'll say it again. Um, one of the things that I had to come to terms with and, and address and deal with is pain avoidance, emotional avoidance. I mentioned, you know, Enneagram seven, uh, whatever, you know, tests and personality types don't like conflict. I want to always be happy. Nothing's ever wrong. You ask me how I'm doing. Great. Everything's great. Doing just fine without ever realizing what I was doing and, and how unhealthy that was in so yeah. many ways. Right. And won't address things. Won't, didn't know healthy assertive thought I'm doing a good thing by not saying anything. Just, you know, I'm not going to deal with it, but then just simmering underneath mm-hmm. and then whatever, especially in times of stress or whatever home, um, with the kids, with Laura, quite literally, well, figuratively, but literally the straw that breaks the camel's back, something so stupid, right? Just so, you know, menial. And it's just like eruption. The thing is never the thing. It's never the thing. Yeah. Never the thing. So not allowing myself to feel angry and not being okay with that led to something that was more than anger. Yeah. It was loss of control. Mm -hmm. And it came from a feeling of having no control. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking forward to this conversation with you about anger because what's healthy anger? (laughs) What, what, What is it? What's that emotion? And why do we, not why, not why do we have stereotypes? What are the, what are some of the stereotypes and where, where are we at in, in society, religion, whatever, how can we move forward and think differently? So for, for you and I, and like the circles that, that we have been a part of, are still a part of, et cetera, there's this understanding of the heart that it is wicked and deceitful. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, all built around one passage and like where I'm at now. So heads up, you can send all of your hate mail after this to Matt at I don't care dot com dot org dot org. It's a 501c3. <laughs> so I'm at the point where that passage in Jeremiah, where it says that we're really looking at translations through the centuries. Right have shown it to be a place where words were inserted and mistranslated for control purposes. The heart is not deceitful. No. The heart is pure. Mm -hmm. The heart is you at your rawest form. So we'll start there. Yes. Learning to trust yourself and your heart, regardless of what the emotion is, Mm -hmm. will allow you to take that emotion, to be able to pause, to zoom out, and say, okay, why? Heart, what are you telling me here? Right. What, like this, this whole episode is just going to be introspection. So starting at that point. So like, if we're looking at anger, I think there's, there is this idea 
church world, rest of the world or not, that there are emotions that are good and those emotions are celebrated. And then there are emotions that are bad and we don't like those and we want to put them away. Like, sounds like dualism. Yeah, it's crazy. We don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Oh God, don't. I literally will break out in a song. So like it's, there's that whole idea. And in the middle of all of that is the heart. And the heart says, I am those things that you call good. And the heart says, I am those things that you call bad, but they're not good. They're not bad. They're just who we are. Mm -hmm. And beginning to understand that those emotions are what fire us along in every single day-to-day -day activity. It isn't, and it can't be about suppression just because right. some have labeled it bad. Anger is a good thing. And, and even in scripture, it talks about there are times where anger is a really good thing, like Christian scripture, there, it, you know, right. like righteous anger. And, and, and so like it, it becomes this, this enmeshed thing where even though we're told that there are times where it's good, it is definitely frowned upon. Like if you are angry or if you're an, you get labeled an angry person. And I, well, this is, this is neither here nor there, but I see that. Like, oh, she's an angry person. I see that happening much more to women hmm. than I do to men. Because a lot of times it'll be like, oh, yeah, he's just a little bit aggressive. Or she, but she's an angry person. And so there, there isn't as much grace shown there. Um, yeah. And that's a whole other episode. But beginning to look at that and saying, okay, I am angry at times. I have anger. Yeah. at times. But I also have joy. I also have compassion. I also have all of these things that are hardwired into me as a, as a person that I am designed, my heart is designed to experience that complete wide open spectrum of all of these emotions. Not only experience it, but internalize this and say oh, this and being a part of it and sitting in it, sitting in the anger in those moments. And, and asking myself, okay, why am I so angered? Why am I, why did this thing hit me so hard? And what do I need to do about that? And when something just brings about incredible joy into my life, there are moments where it's like the obvious big things, like each, each child of mine that was born, like I just sobbed uncontrollably right. out of joy. And, you know, what came with that. And like, especially with Theo, like I was in a much better place with Theo than I was with the other two. With the other right. two, I'm like, why am I crying? Like, what is this stuff coming yeah. out of my face? I'm leaking. Um, but with Theo, it was just this embrace of, man, look at this. Look yeah. at look at what I got to be a part of and, and everything that comes with it. And those same kinds of like being, the moments of being able to sit and understand also comes from all of those other emotions that, you know, are on the shadow side of our heart, uh, anger and jealousy and things like that, where most of society are like, oh, those are bad. No, they are not. They are you. And I mean, I don't even want to get into a scientific, you know, biological evolutionary discussion because yes, we could. We could. Emotions, all of them serve a purpose, a function biologically for survival, for, you know, being burnt or the, the the sensation of pain, right, serves a very important purpose. Pain tells us something should be avoided. If we and and there's people that have disorders where they can't feel pain. And literally they could have their hand on fire 
and not know it because they, they're not getting that feedback. That, that pain feedback loop is not a bad thing. It is essential for life. Now, your hand burning is the bad thing. The fact that you're getting the pain you know, signal to you is a great thing because that's how we stay out of fire. Out of fire, <laughs> right? And anger. And by the way, so I, I want to just stress this from religious circles because I love logic and I love logic statements because deductive statements have to be true. If the premises are true, then the conclusion is true, okay? No, they have to be because that's what I'm saying. They have to be. If A equals B and B equals C, then A has to equal C. Logical equation. And I call my friend in Orlando. I'm like, how do you like this rain? Well, it's not raining. Yes, it is. If it's raining in Michigan. Matt no, no, if raining. it's just raining. Well, yeah. There's inductive arguments as well. All right. But I just want to take this real quick. Anger is bad. Okay. God is good. Let's use scriptural. You know, God is perfect. God is good. Let's say God of the Bible. There you go. Qualifiers. No, I'm saying, right. No. Yeah. God is good. Yeah. Matter of fact, God is good all the time. Okay. God gets angry. Yeah. It says it many times. Out of his wrath and out of his right anger, righteous anger. God gets angry. So God is good. God gets angry. Anger must be good. Mm -hmm. It can't equal bad because the premises, one of those two premises would not be true. Mm -hmm. But that's why I said I like deductive arguments that if if a if the premises are true, then the conclusion has to be true. So I just wanted to tackle that one. This idea of, you know, well, it's bad. Well, if it's bad, why does God get angry? The same guy that you say is all good and only does good. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the understanding of, so what role does it play? And just like pain is a, is a very essential feeling, emotion, if you will, anger can do the same thing. And if we cut ourselves off from allowing ourselves to get, feel anger. Now we've talked about this before. I'll mention it again. My therapist tells me all the time, I have to be okay with how I feel my initial feeling mm -hmm. and I can't judge because I can't really can't truly control that, but I absolutely can control how I act on what I'm feeling. Absolutely. And I think that's where we need to look at the distinction. It is okay to feel angry because it's giving you some kind of feedback loop of something that you need to address. You need to deal with. And it comes back to you. Why am I angry? Just like, why, why does my hand feel this pain? Yeah. I'm angry because I don't like this thing. Yeah, I th I don't think it's it's any coincidence that like when we look at those emotions that typically would be considered bad or wrong that those are designed for protective reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And then when we look at the other ones, those are like the other side of the equation if you're looking at a dualistic like idea of emotions, it's that they are designed for us to be open to all of those things. Um, but we shut off that openness when we look at those emotions. And so, like, I think no matter what the emotion is that you are experiencing, it is an opportunity for you to engage in yourself. Right. And why? And understanding why. Like, there are, there are moments now, like, I cry more now than I ever have in my adult life at, like, Big things, small things, things that don't make sense to anybody else. Uh, Sarah and I were watching um, the newest Spider-Man movie the other day at home. And it's a good one. It is. And it's there's like almost two billion dollars good now. It's fantastic. Crazy. Um, and there's there is a moment 
where, because I don't want to give spoilers, but there is a moment. I know the moment. Where <laughs> two characters appear. Yes. And I just lost it. Yeah. Right at that. Yeah. And Sarah was yeah. like, are you crying? I was like, yeah. Yeah. She's like, why? And I had to pause for a moment. It had all the feels. Yeah. And I, and I was like, because this represents so much. Right. Like, right. right. Like things that like I always wanted to see happen and like just ideas and then being a comic nerd growing up and like being made fun of for stuff like that. But I'm like, now the world is comic nerds. And so like there was all of that stuff like wrapped up, but I, I had to pause for a second to say, okay, why, why am I crying yeah. right now? Yeah. And so I have tried and I am not a hundred percent on this, but I have tried to recognize those emotions as they come yeah, and to find a space, especially if I am, if my emotional response initial is like on the extreme end of things, whatever it is to just pause, to just hit the pause button, no matter what, and just say, okay, what, what is going on with me? Why, why did I swing to this extreme elation or why did I swing to this extreme anger? Like what was that in to, to grab that initial outburst because it's still usually going to slip out and we don't care if it's like me just laughing hysterically, that's fine. But like, if I have an extreme like anger outburst, yeah, it's a big deal. Um, and so to just, after that initial thing, be like, okay, I need to pause this. I need to back out yeah. and I need to sit in it for a while and identify what's going on. Emotions give us valuable feedback about ourselves. And it, they, like Matt said, they alert us that we need to pay attention to something. That something that's happening is causing a reaction. Yeah. And it's a good thing to take notice of what the reaction is and what was the trigger. And the, the emotions, you know, people tend to label as good. Um, what triggered that thing? And how can I have more of that? Right. <laughs> the things that triggered anger, sadness, whatever that is, what was that? And where is it coming from inside that's making me feel that way? And if I can't change the trigger, <laughs> I need to change the, or, or work on, you know, the, the hurt, the trauma. And, and that's the, the when I said, I'm, I'm seeing this more frequently, um, a lot more conversations about the importance of anger, understanding your anger and, and the the hurts, traumas, abuses that you've experienced. And anger is, is, a, is a good way to identify some you know, situation with Lori yesterday, um, something that was said, uh, and it wasn't meant you know, in any way to against her. But what was said certainly caused a, a reaction. Poor choice of words, let's just say someone else said. And, um, you know, and it was, and she was angry. And rightfully so. And I, and I validate it. I'm like, yeah, that was, that was not because absolutely in the past, like, no, no, you should not get angry. They didn't mean that. Like, like, yep. Whether it was meant or not, it doesn't matter. I could see in what was said that upset you and and it's okay. Did not keep my wife's name. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) No, no. I want to keep my Oscar Mm. that I haven't gotten yet. And it, and, and she did what. She does what we're working on the, after the, the hurt in the moment and that like, but, but because that came up, it gave her an opportunity to reflect and, and say, 
the reason why I feel this way is because all those years of, you know, people making me feel this way. And she was able to be honest with herself and say, obviously that's still an issue. I need need to continue working. Yeah. But, but so it was okay. It was okay to feel that. And it was okay because it was just that reminder. Okay. That's still real. It validates there was real hurt and not to just ignore it or just get past it or just pray through it, but say, no, this happened and it's still impacting me. Uh, I'm not judging myself because it does, but I also don't want to stay that way. So I'm going to continue to work. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it was, it was very good. And so not judging our emotions, good, bad, because when we do that, then we try and avoid them and a lot, not allow ourselves to feel a certain way or try so hard to only feel the good ones. Yeah. Well, repression. So like repression of, of any of that stuff is going to cause much more pain and harm to you long-term than just taking a moment to experience that emotion and being a part of it in you. I had one last thought as we were going through this, like when I mentioned like hearing someone being referred to as like an angry person, Mm -hmm. if you have that and like that triggered something within you that you like, you're like, yeah, I, I feel that I, at the depths of my being, like who told you that? Yeah. Why do you think they told you that? Like, if you can look at it objectively, like what was their motivation in saying that about you or to you? And then who is that person to you now? If you're on the codependent side of things, they're probably a large influence still in your life. If you have begun to work through some things in your own life, you're probably identifying that that person does not play as much of a role in your life as they did when they said that thing to you, but yet you are still carrying that thing. So if that's you, I would just say this is your moment. Like you can let that thing go. Just like pain is, or the thought of pain or feeling pain is a reminder of a physical harm that came to you. Anger is a emotional reminder of pain you experienced emotionally it is yeah and it's okay it's okay to feel it it's not okay that it happened it's terrible but anger reminds us of we could still grow in that area we can we can address they there is healing you can you can be healed of those things but you can't be healed of something that you can't address yeah and that, that you just won't allow yourself to be aware of it's work and certainly not judging it as bad yeah yeah I think that's good. I think it's a good uh, ending point. And also, nice segue into our three things with Matt and Eric. We do need a jingle. We do talk <laughs> about three things. Nope, not that. God, that song is on loop at my house. Okay, so three things. Question and ponder. Question and ponder. Question and ponder is all about emotions. Yes. And so when I say the word emotion for all of us, there's something that pops into our brain, good, bad, otherwise. And so the question to ponder is, why do you feel that way? Do you judge your emotions? Yeah. Do you think of some as good, some bad? And are there emotions that you deliberately try and suppress? Yeah. Maybe not deliberately. Maybe never it's even thought self-conscious. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just been a conditional thing. So that's your question to ponder. Why do you feel that way? 
action. So action for me, this has become a core part of my day, like starting my day. Um, Wait, topic to explore. Topic to explore. Oh, the book. Question to ponder. Yep. Topic to explore. Sorry, guys. I mean, we, we can go. We can. Let, no, let's do it. Let's let's change it up. Action to take. Okay. Action to take. <laughs> Thank you for showing me grace. Um, action to take. So every day, like every day now, this has become as essential as like brushing my teeth for me. When I'm in the shower, I do this check-in, this self-check-in where I take a couple minutes, I breathe, I take a real big breath and just kind of let it out and sit and take inventory of myself. What do I feel physically right now? Um, did I like turn my head wrong? And because I'm in my forties now, I can't look to the left. Uh, do I feel other things like, you know, what's going on with my, with my breathing? What's going on? Like, what do I feel mm -hmm. physically? Um, what do I feel emotionally right now? Um, doing this check-in, like if, if I'm awake and if I do this check-in emotionally, I, I would say I'm feeling anxiety yeah. because of what I have to do with work in the next couple hours. Then it's an opportunity to check in again and just say, okay, exactly. why am I feeling this anxiety? Where am I feeling this anxiety in my body? And then, you know, just taking an inventory of yourself and just, you know, what, what can I do today to, if it is anxiety, if it is joy, like, what can I do to celebrate those moments, whatever it is yeah. uh, and, and walk through it. So that's what I do every morning, you know, what I'm feeling, how I'm feeling, things like that. Yeah. My therapist has me doing the same. We do it beginning of every session uh, and end, but also you're right. Like it's, it's become sort of a go-to throughout the day, just especially if I'm feeling something or like feeling, starting to feel some anxiety or stress and then just stop and do that as assessment okay what what is it you're really feeling where's it coming from yeah that's self-reflection yeah so it's this isn't a q a episode this is the whatever the question is the answer is self-reflect look within look within okay and while we're on that so our topic to explore is typically a book recommendation um i've read this one i don't know three or four times now and it is a book called be here now by ram das um i can't recommend it enough and there's a lot of stuff in it where some of you will read it and be like, oh, uh, no. <laughs> and that's okay. You can be wrong. You're allowed to be in this space. It's free. Uh, but, you know, one of the quotes I was going through this, well, I'll give you two, ripped right from the pages of the book. The first one is, the quieter you become, the more you can hear. And so in this moment where we're talking a lot about looking within, you got to be quiet and listen to yourself, listen to your body. And then the next thing is the next message you need is always right where you are. Everything yep. you need is right here already for you. You yep. just need to learn how to access it. So that's what I have. That's good. Please, if you're listening, feel free to message us, eric at leadingwell.me, matt at leadingwell.me, or on the socials. Um, yeah, any questions you have, don't have to wait till the next episode. We'll respond. And um, we appreciate it. Share it, like, comment all the things on the yeah. podcast. We appreciate it. Interact. We'll see you next time. Thanks guys. Be well.